Hello everybody and welcome back inside the Shark Tank for another episode of uh, of hopefully everyone's favourite Sail Sharks podcast. You'd hope that given that we are the only one out there. My name is Lewis and I'm delighted to say I'm joined uh, by my co-host Alex. Uh, Alex, uh, how are things on your side this afternoon? They're all right, mate. I'm slightly disappointed by the result, but heartened by the performance over the weekend. Um, I wasn't expecting a win, so you can't be too upset. Um, and hoping that we are building some momentum steadily heading back into the Premiership. And, you know, we're still we're still in the mix in Europe by virtue of our, our results. And it's a nonsense competition this year anyway, because apparently we drew a game against Claremont at home uh, that never got played. So... You know, any any quarterfinal or last sixteen round is is a bonus at this point. Uh, yeah, how are you? Uh, feeling encouraged. You know, I think after after Sunday, like you said, I mean, I think on last week's pod, I said, you know, we we're going to lose fifty points to ten. I think the strength of the Claremont squad, you know, probably uh, meant that was never likely to happen. But uh, you know, a disappointing result. We'll obviously chat about it, but I think you can come away with probably more positives and negatives. Which you know, after the Bristol game. It's saying something. Um, so we're obviously talking here about, uh, you know, Cell uh, going down to, to Clermont uh, on Sunday evening and ultimately getting beat 25 points to 19. Uh, they were 19 points apiece uh, at halftime, but for a second straight game, Cell didn't score a single point in the second half at Clermont kicked two penalties uh, towards the end of the game to just about seal the win. Um, you know, Alex, it's eight o'clock on, on Sunday evening. You know, you've you've just watched the, the game and or, or seen the score. Um, you know, what, what was your sort of overriding takeaway from that game? A game which, for the second straight week, we, we started well, we had a good chance to win it, and, and ultimately we, we kind of came up short and never really looked like winning it uh, towards the end of it. I mean, it feels like an opportunity missed, doesn't it? Because I think the game was there to be won if we'd been in better form and had more confidence. But I think that is that was my initial reaction. It's sort of it was expected, so it wasn't disappointing. It wasn't frustrating, albeit it was obviously frustrating to watch. Um, and I think it just sort of it's a reflection of where we are. Um, we are we are a good side. We are not a great side, so we weren't winning the game and. Um, we don't have the confidence to eke out those wins, and, and I think that's the the big thing at the moment. It feels like a side here. We're getting there. There's some bad, there's some issues where you know we we know there are issues, and, and they haven't changed. But I think it was a cautious step in the right direction, um, albeit a frustrating loss. So it was a, yeah, a bit of a mixed emotions. A sort of there's a slight indifference to it as well. I think you know. A, Almost written it off as a loss, and and then we need you know it builds the hope, and and then it ends up being a loss. So yeah, it's it was a bit of a uh, a very steady roller coaster of emotions this week, rather than the usual um, topsy turvy one. And I think at that point, you know, you just sort of you have to accept where this sale side are, and that is low on confidence, and and you know uh, high on quality, low on confidence, and not able to kind of grind out those wins, especially away from home in France in the top tier of the European competition at the moment. It does it does feel both frustrating and encouraging because we, we, we got off to, you know, it was a bonkers first half, you know, some some real sort of absence of basics happening. Uh, you know, Claremont looked, you know, pretty disorganised. We were by far the better team, obviously jump out to an early lead. You know, we scored three tries in that first half and, and, and that's the encouraging side of it. You know, for the second week running, you know, we've we've, 
come up against a good team, you know, and, and hung in there and actually probably been the better team in the first half. I think, you know, again on Sunday, we, we certainly shaded it a little bit, um, you know, on the run of play. The, the, the problem is for the second, you know, week running, you know, we, we lose a man, you know, to, to, to the Simbin. So we start the second half with, with down, down to 14 men. We, we don't really seem to have any sort of control uh, in, in that second half. You know, I think we, we were in Clermont's 20, uh, 22 twice, you know, in the entire sort of second 40. Um, the, the, there's not a lot of sort of game management happening. We, we, we've got possession, but it's not necessarily in the, the, the sort of red zone, uh, as it were. And it did just really feel like this, you know, again, for, for a second straight week, we were in the game, but it was kind of a matter of when, not if, that that something was going to bounce Claremont's way and they would take that chance, you know, to, to go out to a lead, a bit like it was against Bristol where we were in the game, but it always felt like Bristol were more likely to score. And once they did score, you know, there's no sort of coming back to us. So, so very sort of frustrating, uh, especially because of how encouraging the, that, that first half was. Um, in terms of three-word reviews, so thank you so much to everyone who submitted them. We, we actually had quite a bumper crop this week. Um, Rugby Marvel, second half impotency. Uh, Duncan Simpson, second half fitness, with a question mark. Uh, Nick H, substitute Cliff earlier. Uh, Niall Martin, icy light. Uh, Nick, uh, cool heads needed. Uh, Max Boyle, missing plays crucial. And Brad as the boat, strong defensive performance. It, we picked a lot of those three word reviews out because it really does sort of summarise the, the the sort of contrasting attitudes to the game. In that there were some positives, there the, the were some negatives. But Alex, we, we've got to talk about that second half performance first off. And you know, from from your perspective, what? What what is the issue with Sale at the moment uh, that is leading to us to to not being able to score, uh, you know, points in the second half, and you know, and ultimately kick on and, and win games? I, you know, I genuinely don't know, uh, and it's really frustrating me that I don't because it's not like there's an obvious um, obvious answer. I think you know people have raised questions over our fitness, and and we did look tired in that second half. Um, I think that may be part of it, but we have a very strong squad now. You know, we back in the day uh, in the depths of the Diamond era, we had you know like a starting fifteen who were Premiership standard, and then and a bench full of academy kids, and we managed. And now we've got you know decent players coming off the bench, so we sh- we should in theory be in a better position. Um, I think part of it's it's genuinely a sort of mental block on where we are in terms of form. I think. We seem to go in at half time and, and kind of maybe the pressure starts to tell a little bit and, and we sort of think, oh, you know, once it happens once, it happens again, it happens again, and we really have struggled. I, I genuinely don't think it's a fitness issue. I think I think when when the other team get more tired, we lack the pace to really break them down. And I, I know we always go on about pace, so that's not, you know, if anyone disagrees with this, it would be a very frustrating opinion for them to hear. Um, but... You know, as as the game breaks down, you need game breakers, and we we don't have quite that. We rely on physical dominance, um, especially under Sanderson. We've massively relied on it. We rely on dominating the opposition. If we dominate the opposition, we dominate the game, and if we dominate the game, we will score tries. And the problem is that when we, you know, when we, it's not the first hit up of the game, and it's not the you know the first collision or the second collision. You've you you reduced to sapping your energy and in, in kind of if you want to make a really big hit, which is kind of what our game plan relies on, you have to have a really high level of fitness 
or have a really, really deep squad. And I don't think we have either of those. You know, I think we have a good, I'm not saying we're not fit, I think we have a good level of fitness, but I think our game plan is so reliant on dominance across the field that when we can't deliver that in attack, we just struggle to score points. Um, and I think that combined with the, the general lack of form and the bit of a lack of confidence and, and, you know, all the other issues that we've talked about mean that it just is really hard to score points. Um, and, you know, we seem to not even be able to score a penalty because we can't win a penalty because we're not winning dominant collisions. And I think it all comes back to that being such a fundamental facet of our game at the moment. That it, it that that is my the best take I can possibly give on it, but I admit that it's probably not the right take. And there's a few issues kicking around here that you know it's it's clear for everyone to see, but the the solutions are not very clear. But I I, I think that's that's where I sit with it. I don't think it's a fitness issue. I think it's a massive confidence issue, and a kind of result of a way we play the game. But you know, we are going to either have to change the way we play or get incredibly fit. And I think the problem with getting incredibly fit is that you rely on, when you become so reliant on that, it's like Wales did it for a couple of years and then everyone works you out. And so, you know, it has to be a more rounded squad than just relying on that dominant collision. And and that will change next year with George Ford coming in. But at the moment, we are where we are with that. And, And I think, you know, it is going to be a tough thing to reverse currently. I'm glad you mentioned George Ford because, you know, that was kind of my takeaway. And I don't want to spend too much time talking about, oh, you know, let's just wait till next season and and write the rest of this year off. But it does feel like at the moment we are a team where when you need that kind of on-field leadership, you know, that that smart little kick to play possession, you know, that that kind of game management, we just don't seem to have that at the moment. And I think, you know, AJ McGinty, you know, he, he can certainly play that role. Uh, you know, Rod Dupree is an experienced number 10. You know, we've got Kieran Wilkinson and out and half, out and out fly half as well. You know, it's not like we're trying to shoehorn Sam James in at 10 anymore. But it does feel like there's, there's just that, that next level of kind of, uh, game management that we are missing that does help invigorate players, you know, and and we, you know we saw it a few times with in in that second half, you know, we we were kicking to compete and you know we were kind of keeping the ball in play, but you know it, it, it all seems a little bit aimless, and I do wonder if we play that game again with George Ford at ten, do you have that just just that sense of slightly more structure, that kind of okay we've got a response to this in-game situation, which, which we've got. Because at the moment, you know, you, you see a game like Sunday's, you know, it was 19 apiece for most of the second half, and it just never felt like we really took the initiative. And you do wonder whether or not, when you've got a very experienced international class 10, like 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 George Ford, you know, does he, uh, you know, force, force a kick that, that makes the opposing team make a mistake and give us some... Um, you, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Opportunity, you know, to just kind of create something because we've certainly got the players, you know, to, to score tries in, in one-off positions, um, you know, or, or to build a platform for our backs to play off. But it just felt like we spent so much of, of the Clermont game and the Bristol game playing in and around the middle 40 that we never got the chance, you know, to just uh, kick a penalty, you know, if, if we force an infringement. We were forcing penalties, but they were out on the touchline, 55 metres out, and there's nothing you can do with that. And it does feel like we're, we're just missing something. Um, 
even if you know some of our other you know players are, are really starting to put their their sort of hands up for, for future selection. And I do want to touch upon that because it isn't necessarily all doom and gloom. You know, Sale came away with a losing bonus point. We looked pretty good for for you know for most of the game. We're, we're missing something to get us over the hump, but you know that might come in time. Um, but Alex, you know who kind of stood out to you? You know, on, on from from Sunday's game because there was certainly a lot of players in that team that I thought uh, you know had had probably their their best games of the season so far. Yeah, I think there were a lot. I, I thought Dupriers both looked good in the first half and, and you know, the game suited them in the way it was being played in that first half, which is, you know, is helpful. But I think for them to be doing that on that stage is good. Um, I actually think Luke James, again, had a really good game. I know he got a yellow card, but I think he just, he, he really is looking like our first choice fullback for me. I thought Simon Hammersley had a good game on the wing. Uh, I know he gets a lot of grief, but I think he always plays well on the wing. I know he's not got the pace for a winger, but is a very is a useful option if you play in that style of um, I mean England played with Mike Brown on the wing for ages and he didn't have any pace um, oh god we're going to get in trouble now aren't we sale vendetta against Mike Brown continues sorry Mike you're a very good player um, and I think uh, I was I'm, I'm always happy with Kim Wilkinson at 10 I think I really like the way he plays I know he didn't wasn't that involved and I don't think he had the world's best game but I do think we need to see more of him. Um, and especially, you know, with AJ going next year, I think the time is to trust in Kieran Wilkinson. And we've been saying that for a couple of weeks. Uh, and it was sort of forced this time, but hopefully that, that comes on. Um, so, yeah, and I thought Johnny Ross had a very good game. Um, I haven't mentioned Tom Roebuck. I'll let you do that. But I thought Johnny Ross had a, had a good game and, and looked, um, you know, I think we were a bit worried with his concussion issues that, he might not play again. So to see him back and, and, and in really good form and keeping his discipline relatively well for me, uh, I think is really encouraging. So yeah, a lot of a lot of individual performances and there's people I haven't mentioned there, so I won't steal them all. I'll, I'll let you crack on um, with with your choices. Yeah, well, I think a lot of the young guns, you know, really sort of stepped up. You know, Bevan Rod and Ewan Ashman, probably their best games I think I've seen in, in, in a sale shirt, particularly that first half where they really took the fight to to Clermont. You mentioned Tom Roebuck. Didn't necessarily do much outside of his try, but it, it was just so refreshing to see one of our players just, just burn another player for pace. And it is, you know, no one sort of thinks that pace is, is Roebuck's your sort of number one trait. But if you've got enough to, you know, to skin a man and get past it and, and stretch the field, get onto the end of a loose ball, that kind of thing, um, you know, th- that does make a big difference. You know, so when when you see, you know, some of the young players, I thought Luke James, again, had a, had a solid game. A little bit shaky under the high ball. Uh, first time we've really ever seen him make a mistake, I think, you know, dropping a couple of those. Um, you know, yellow card, yeah, whatever. It's a deliberate knock-on. That, that rule's silly. Um, you know, but, you know, from, from the opening kickoff, uh, you, you know, the first time he had possession of the ball, he runs across the field. You think, where he's go? where's he going? And all of a sudden he's got around the outside of the Claremont defence and set Simon Hammersley up for a very smart chip over the top. It's just little things like that. And and you, there's a sort of confidence you, you feel with, with with having a guy like Luke James in at 15. Um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about Lou Diaga. You know, I know a lot of Sale fans, you know, probably probably disagree with, with, with this actually, but I thought, you know, he had uh, he had a pretty good game on, on Sunday. I thought our set piece as a whole was very impressive and a big part of that was Diaga. You know, you're going away from home, 
You're playing in France. You've got a 21-year-old hooker in Ewan Ashman with only a handful of starts. A lineup went 15 out of 15. You know, that's a that's a huge sort of boon to, to what the team can do. Uh, you know, and that in tandem with the fact that Nick Schroner probably had his best game in the sale shirt so far, especially in that first half, it gave us a real platform to attack Claremont, which is what we did. It we did sort of see in the second half that the front row lost uh, lost a bit of its intensity. You know, when the substitutes came on, we did see the likes of Diaga, Dupria start to tire a little bit. Um, and, and Clermont certainly seemed to have a little bit more depth on, on the team, and that's kind of partly where they swung it. But, you know, I think overall there's a lot of really positive things to point to. Um, and it, when you start looking at it at, a, at an individual level, you know, th- there's a lot of very positive performances to take out of that. It's just a shame that the sort of sum, uh, you know, of, of, of the parts wasn't necessarily, you, you know, greater than, than the individual con- uh, contributions, of which there, there were plenty. Um, you know, Alex, obviously the, we do have to address the fact, though, though that, it, that it was a loss. And was there anything that really stood out to you, apart from that second half, as, as a reason why Sale just, just, just never really sort of kicked on? I think we were always massively exposed to the pace of Penno and, and the rest of the team, Matsushima, uh, etc. In the in the back line, you know, they made a lot of line breaks that were quite easy for them to get through. You know, I think the problem with our style of defence is that if you can get round us, you're laughing. And, and, you know, last season you couldn't get round us, so it was fine. But this season you can get round us and you can get through our 13 channel when Rob Dupree is defending it. And you know, Rob Dupree is a good player and he, he offers a lot of 13, but I think the one thing he doesn't offer is that kind of experience as a 13 in the defensive channels. Um, and as a result, you know, it's really easy for teams to pierce that. It's, it's a hard position to defend in anyway. It's a really hard position to defend in as a Hell Sharks player because of the way we defend. And I think that's the big concern, isn't it? That at the moment, our defence is good, our tackles are good, our, we are dominant in the collision, but if you get the ball out wide, if you get the ball into the 13 channel, if you, on your first base strike move, can get around our on-rushing winger, you're going to make metres and we're going to lose momentum. And that's why we find it hard to keep teams at bay and, and knock them back because they can always, you know, if you're a good team, you can get around the outside. You know, it, it's less dangerous in a against a team that is more as stagnant as us. Um, but the problem is most teams now aren't. And I think we've fallen behind a lot in... We've still got McGuigan and we've still got Hammersley and, you know, I think other teams have now got a lot of pace and a lot of young kids coming through. You look at someone like Worcester, who I would historically have said are more like us in their attack, have got like James Shilcock, who's absolutely rapid and tore us to shreds. Um, you know, Newcastle have got Radwan and, and Penny and and I just think every team has, has realised the value of that and, and we are behind. We are quite far behind on that and until we catch up, I think we are going to struggle. But yeah, that was the only issue. That 13 channel, I think, was, wasn't was great. And I think, you know, that's that's something that you have to trade off if you've got Rob DeVere at 13, which is why I don't think he's a 13 in our system. I think what what is interesting is, you know, Penno wins, what is it, Heineken's star of the match or whatever. And if you're looking for a difference maker, you know, he, he probably was, you know, scored two tries, you know, set up, uh, had, a, had a massive impact on that first one, you know, where he just sort of glides through the defence so, so sort of brilliantly to set up Raka. Um, 
you know, and he he was he was a difference maker. You know, in a game where the the the, the score settles is settled by you know six points, uh, having someone like that who can make a line break, who can beat a defender, does make a massive difference. And it's something we did lack. And I really wanted to point out a couple of things, which is you know, Clermont had. 27 defenders beaten to R13, and they made six clean breaks to sales three. You know, and and, and that's the difference, you know, because we, we probably shaded things on, on territory. You know, we had 54% to their 46. We had slightly more possession, but Clermont was just that little bit more clinical with it. And it, it helped having, you know, I was surprised when I saw Peno line up at 13, but actually he looks absolutely brilliant there. Um, and, and that decision-making and, and, and sort of know when to cut the line or, or when to sort of drift worked out really well for them. And, and just quickly on Rob Dupree, I actually thought he had a pretty solid game overall, um, even defensively. I thought Claremont actually were the victims um, of, of sort of themselves a little bit in that when they sort of just threw the ball around, we were able to drift quite well, and Rob Dupree actually had a really good game from a drift defence perspective because he just followed the man and he was actually able to force him into touch a couple of times. And I thought he was really solid there. But when Claremont straightened up uh, and actually played with a with a bit more incision, they had the means to sort of just just make those extra five, six, seven yards over and over again, and, and that's why they made four five four in the game to R three thirty. We just we just still lacking that that kind of X factor, uh, even though Tom Roebuck obviously showed some nice skill to you know to get his try, and we were able to you know do some quite exciting things up front. But uh, yeah, it is a it is a difference maker when you've got someone like Penno in the team, and you look at the stats, and it's just clear that. That just that little bit of X factor really does make a big difference on on really close games. Um, and, and with that being said, Alex, I don't know is, is there anything else you kind of want to highlight from this game? I think you know, twenty two minutes, we, we've probably covered the main stuff, which is that we were good but not quite good enough. Yeah, and I think that's summer, isn't it? We were right, Europe. It's hard place to win wherever you go. Uh, I think the frustration is that we could have won it, but yeah, let's be honest, we um, we're not. We're not quite there yet, and at some point we will be. But I think um, we've got to be realistic about where we are and 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 what competition we're in. You know, away in the Champions Cup, it's a hard thing to win. Don't be disappointed that we lost. There's a lot of signs of life, and it was certainly a better performance than we've seen from the sales side for a little while. Well, the good news is, like you said, it is a hard place. Uh, Europe is a hard place to win away from home, uh, and that should hopefully benefit us this week. Because there's the final round of the uh, Champions Cup pool stages. Uh, and Sale, by virtue of that losing bonus point and some other results going their way, actually still have the opportunity to qualify for the round of 16. It really is a case of win and you're in for Sale as they host Ospreys at the AJ Bell uh, at 1pm on Sunday. So Ospreys have had a, a pretty a pretty torrid time of it so far. Uh, in the in the Champions Cup. They currently sit bottom of Pool A, having played three and lost three, and, and having recorded zero points. So they, they are out of the competition, and that should hopefully benefit Sale uh, quite significantly because the likes of uh, Adam Beard and Gareth Anscombe um, and even you know someone like Matt Prothero, who had a, a sterling game uh, against uh, Sale when uh, when we made the trip down to Swansea uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, are all potentially in line uh, to be rested. 
Um, that being said, this is a, 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 a it feels like a significant moment in sales season, doesn't it, Alex? Where Ospreys aren't likely to send you know their absolute sort of Welsh international packed team. They are out the competition and have nothing to play for apart from pride, unlike Sale. And given where Sale have been this season, you know, we've had a real stop-start year in the Premiership. We've not really had that sort of statement win this season so far. How important do you think it's going to be for Sale, you know, to get over the hump against this Ospreys team? Just go out on Sunday afternoon, win the game uh, and, and progress in Europe. Yeah, it's it's massively important. I I think it's 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 not a must win, but and it's not a must win in terms of the competition, but in terms of our, where we are in our season and our form, it's it feels like one of those that if we lose it is a massive, massive blow again to our season. You know, we this is at home against an understrength and poor form Ospreys team who we beat away from home pretty comfortably without scoring base at the only points in the second half. Um Again, yeah, um, it's it's one of those where you feel like the star sugar line and we should win it. And if we, I said about this one, you know, I didn't expect us to win it and I wasn't disappointed when we lost it. I expect us to beat Ospreys and I will be massively disappointed if we if we don't. Because I think it's just so, you know, at home, as I say, it almost feels like one of those where you're going to turn up and it might, it won't matter, but the easiest game and Ospreys will, will play well, but we shouldn't be losing at home. And we have been good at home this season. We've lost to Exeter, and I don't think we've lost to anyone else. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so, you know, you have to have that confidence. And I think it's a good chance for us to get kind of back on that bandwagon uh, a little bit and build on last week. If we can do that, I, you know, it, it should be a comfortable win. And I think everyone recognises that. Even the Ospreys fans on the Facebook group were asking for travel tips to Manchester the other week. Um, but... It's you know it's, we have to go out there and deliver and it, it is a big test um, to of our kind of mentality because I think we should win this with a bonus point all, all all being fair and if we don't I think it'll genuinely be an underperformance it's not being arrogant it's recognizing that we beat them with a bonus point away from home and therefore you should be able to replicate that result at home at minimum and and, and just to kind of further set the scene you know c- coming into Sunday's game Sale sit sit sixth in Pool A, with seven points from three games, one win, obviously over Ospreys, one loss to Clermont yesterday, uh, and that draw from from the abandoned game versus Clermont. Um, And as it stands, they have Clermont directly below them, also on seven points, Glasgow in eighth, and Montpellier in ninth. Uh, Glasgow and Montpellier also being on five points apiece. So actually, as it stands, uh, there are four spaces left for, sorry, three spaces left for four teams. Uh, and actually, if results go in sales' favour, they can still qualify for the round of 16, even if they don't pick up a win by virtue um, of those uh, points that are already banked and the fact there are relatively few teams still with a chance to, to qualify. So assuming all goes well uh, for everywhere else but for sale, we could lose and, and, and still qualify quite comfortably. That being said, like, to your point, Alex, it does really feel like this is the chance to, to really sort of make a statement. Uh, and actually, just to kind of look above the table, again, if, if, if results go in sales' way, there's still a chance for them to get a home round of 16 tie. Uh, so sale, obviously, like I said, sixth. 
Chiefs are fifth with 10 points, Leinster fourth with 10 points, and La Rochelle third with 11 points. Ulster and Racing have 14, so South cannot catch either of those. So if results go sales way and they get that bonus point win, you know they could finish as high as third in this pool uh, and set up, a, you know, a, in theory, an easier round of 16 game. So it does feel like this is, you know, not to put too much hype on it, a, a real sort of fork in the road for sale season where we can win handedly and, and really make a bit of a statement and, and get a good result in Europe. You know, we could win and, and just qualify. We can lose and just qualify. Uh, or we could, you know, lose and by virtue of other things going against us, completely drop out, which would probably might be the low point of the season so far. Um, so first and foremost, we've got to make sure we, we just, you know, the re- We've got the power in our hands. We've got to make sure we get that win and, and qualify, regardless of what's happening elsewhere. So, Alex, in terms of the team that you're envisioning being put out for this game, do you think it's it's going to be a retread of, of what we saw against uh, Clermont? Yeah, and I hope it is actually a retread of what we saw against Clermont, i.e. Kieran Wilkinson plays. But, yeah, I, th- I think that is a good level of team. I mean, this is basically, you know, it, it, when the team came out and AJ was playing, I was slightly disappointed, as it turned out. The team that started was not far off the team that we kind of asked for. Roebuck on the wing, um, Wilkinson at 10, with the experience in and around them to support them. So I think that is the way to go. And, and you know, if, if that team can lose by six points away at Claremont, they should be able to beat Ospreys at home, in, in theory. Um, obviously, theory doesn't really apply in rugby. But um, I, 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 I really would like to see not many changes. I think there's rotation to be had, but minimal. You know, two or three changes, as we kind of talked about in the past. So... You know, Hooker is always a rotating position for us, but I think Ashman was outstanding, as you said, as was Bevan Rod. Give them another go, get them starting again, as long as they're going to be fit for Leicester, bring them off after 45, 50 minutes. You know, if we can have a good first half, we can give more people more game time in the second half. And I think there was a three-word review about substitute Cliff earlier. Completely agree for this game especially. You know, I completely agree, generally, but I massively agree for this because Gus Warren needs game time home against the Ospreys in the Champions Cup is the perfect time to do it. Um, I know Rafi Quirk is due back either this week or next week. I'm not sure. Probably best just saving him for Leicester and and let him properly recover. So I think, you know, there's there's plenty of talent in that squad. They delivered a great performance against Claremont, albeit not a winning performance. So let's go again. Let's go with the same team. Let's keep the youth in there to keep it exciting and fresh and give them exposure to first-team level rugby and without the pressure of kind of the premiership where we need to finish. Um, and, and that would be my, my approach. I mean, I think I was just going to say it then when you mentioned that Racing and uh, Ulster have got 14 points and therefore we literally cannot catch them. That is still an absolute nonsense that we have had a drawn game. And they have had, they have literally had the chance to play three games, and we've been forced to take a draw in one of them. It is a ridiculous state of affairs that European rugby has got itself into. You know, we were ready to play the game. We were sat at the AJ, we could have been sat at the AJ Bell waiting for them to turn up, and they didn't turn up because they couldn't travel from France. I'm not blaming Claire. I don't think they should be punished, but equally, we have effectively been punished by being handed a draw. So that's my little rant about that. But the, the wider point is that this competition is a bit of a mockery. If we were to go out of it, I don't think anyone would care. If we were to get through, it's sort of in a ridiculous year anyway, where it's not a proper Champions Cup year again. So, you know, let's let's take the pressure off, but deliver a performance that gives us enough confidence going into the next week in a massive game at home to Leicester. Um, and I think if we do that, wherever we end up in the knockouts is going to be a really tough game. 
Um, if we can get a home draw, brilliant. And I think we should get a home draw if we play well. But let's see. So, yeah, in conclusion, in summary, to answer, to answer your question in a very short way after answering it in a long way, minimal changes, very similar team, rotation where necessary, but not wholesale change and deliver a performance that kind of, you know, inspires that confidence in the squad going into the rest of the season. Well, I, th- I think that's that, that. It seems to be the, the way the wind is blowing anyway. You know, we've seen the same sort of team roll out three, four weeks now. Um, and it, it certainly makes sense in the context of, of sales season. I think you can pick around the margins. You know, if, if Cam Neal's fit, I'd love to see him start at six, uh, you know, in place of Jono. Um, you know, if, uh, you, you know, JP Dupree are potentially getting a bit more time, you know, either off the bench or, or maybe he comes in at four and we, we play with two specialist locks, etc. There's There's little changes you can make, but I think the core of the team is, is pretty firmly established now. Um, and, and to your point, keeping the front row broadly the same, keeping the back row broadly the same, keeping your, your halfbacks. If, if Rafi's not fit, there's no point starting him for, for this sort of game. You know, trust Cliff to, to get the job done. Um, you know, and in the back line, more game time for our back line, you know, I think is is, is really important, you know, to, to, to gel. We, we know it's not an ideal situation playing Rod Dupree at 13, Simon Hammersley on the wing, but I thought Hammersley had, had a really strong game against Alvaretti Racker. That's not an easy player to go up against. You know, and, and if that's, you know, if, if him, James, Rob Dupree, uh, Kieran Wilkinson are going to be the options available to us for the next couple of weeks, let's get them, you know, playing together as much as possible and, and keeping that consistency and, and hopefully start to see the fruits of, of that come, uh, you know, to the fore. Um, I guess we might as well just wrap this up with, uh, you know, a little bit of a prediction, Alex. You know, obviously, you know, Sunday afternoon, Sailor at home, Ospreys, you know, out of the competition. What what do you expect the score is going to be? I think Sale are going to win. I think it's going to be 28-10 Sale. I think, I, I do think we'll, we'll kind of deliver on that promise. I have a fear we might not get a bonus point, but I do, I do feel relatively confident that, <laughs> we should win it, and I, I, I now know it's going to be a horrendous game. We're going to win, we're going to lose like nine six. Um, so it's my fault if we do. But yeah, I am, I am strangely confident, um, and I think we will deliver. Um, I think there was so much promise in that Claremont performance. I know the result wasn't there, but there was promise. So uh, I am cautiously optimistic. How about you? I, I had in my head twenty seven ten. You know, sort of three. Three, three tries, you know, two penalties, you know, just just a good solid win. A bit like the Northampton game earlier in the season. The, the, there's enough in this team. The, the circumstances are all in our favour. We, we we should win, um, and, and I think we will win. It is just a case of is this the the performance that where we finally throw the shackles off and really put a team to the sword? I don't think so. I just think we don't have the the right players at the moment. We, we, we you know we're still fifteen percent away from a full strength squad, um, but. You know, twenty-seven ten. I'd be very happy, and and, and I'd be very happy having around a six sixteen game, even if it's uh, away from home as well. Um, you know, we we have to sort of measure ourselves with, okay, well, even if we do have injuries and circumstances go against us and all the rest of it, are we still making a meaningful contribution to European competitions? For example, that's a, a good measuring stick that I think we can at least tick off this year with a win against Ospreys. Um, so that's the pod for this week. Thank you so much uh, to everyone for for listening. Um, before this, we recorded part two of our January mailbag, where we spoke about a lot of different things, including uh, the AJ Bell, George Ford, uh, potential future captains, and a lot of other good stuff. So if you're not already a subscriber to the Patreon, uh, please do consider it. 
uh, we uh, need the money. You just keep the lights on, keep the servers running, uh, and and ultimately, you know, helping uh, keep this uh, this podcast running seamlessly as well. Um, so, thank you to everyone who's, who's signed up for that as well. Um, we hope you enjoy the bonus content, um, and for everyone else, we hope you've enjoyed this this main episode. So, uh, we'll hopefully speak to you next week off the back of a, of a sale resounding win over Ospreys. Um, but even if that doesn't happen, you know, we'll still be here to, to pick through the bones of it. So thank you very much. Alex, anything else from your side to, to end the pod this week? Uh, no, nothing major. A shame to see the under-18 lads lose out to Newcastle Falcons at the Corpac Stadium on Sunday, but um, still a good season overall. And, and I think a couple of games left against Yorkshire and Wasps um, so hopefully we can finish that season on a high um, and also a shame for the women's team who lost to a very good cluster Hartbury side 17-3 uh, but I don't think any any shame in losing that one on the road um, Costa's a tough place to go at the best of times so um, yeah hopefully we see some more positive results from uh, both of those arms of the the Sail Sharks family. Um, but yeah, looking forward to the Ospreys game and hope they return to form. So yeah, we'll speak to you all next week. Bye.